apparently we have some housekeeping to do. So we'll get rid of some of these things. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Sure, I'll take that. I have another, but you know. How you guys doing this morning? Hey, a quick uh, welcome if you're visiting with us. Uh, we are glad that you're here. We'd love to get to know you better. One of the ways you can help us do that is to fill out a Connect card, uh, which now I have too. So there's plenty in the seat backs in front of you as well. Uh, if you'd be willing to fill that out and turn it in in the lobby, you can hand it to me or to Pastor Dick or at our Welcome Center where the big TV is. Uh, we have a small gift just as our way of saying thank you for coming out to church this morning. But more importantly, we just love to meet you personally. Also, uh, for this series that we're starting today on Jonah, we do have some sermon notes, so if you hadn't been able to grab those yet, you can get those, and uh, you can follow along. We'll also have some images on the screen for us as well. Let me just start by asking the question, how many of you have ever tried to run away from home? Oh, come on, there's got to be more of us than that. I mean, when I was a little kid, you know, I don't know, six, seven, eight years old, you know, already in my life... Uh, things were not going well, and I was upset with my parents, and I was angry, and so I decided I was going to show them, and in my bedroom, I had a, a chalkboard on one of my walls, and so uh, it, I, I wrote on the chalkboard, in three days, I'm running away. <laughs> well, of course, you can imagine my parents thought, this was an interesting message, <laughs> So they started talking to me and asking me questions, and uh, they asked things like, well, where are you going to go? Um, what are you going to eat? How are you going to stay warm? And who's going to love you as much as we do? Well, as my mom tells the story all these years later, uh, I continued to change the countdown clock on the chalkboard each day, you know, so running away in two days, running away in one day. And so obviously my parents were very curious to see what I was going to do. And so on the last day they came in and they were surprised that the new message says, decided to stay. <laughs> obviously back then I wasn't very good at running away. But I can tell you something that I have been much more successful at in the rest of my life since then, and that is running away from God. When I look back on my life, uh, there have been times when I, I knew that God was calling me to, to do something for him, to, to follow him in a new way, uh, but I resisted God because I didn't want to do what God was asking me to do, and I began to run from God. How about you this morning? Have you ever run away from God? Have you ever had something that you knew God was calling you to that you just didn't want to do or it was too scary or uncomfortable and, and so you started to run in the opposite direction? Over the next four weeks, we're going to be studying the book of Jonah, who is perhaps one of the most famous runners of all time. And I want to invite you, if you'd like to follow along in your Bible, you can get your Bible out and turn to Jonah. It's in the very back of the Old Testament. Uh, Jonah's known as one of the minor prophets, so uh, it, it's actually past the middle. Uh, it's in between Obadiah and Micah, if that helps you at all. <laughs> you can always use the table of contents as well, but we'll also have the words on the screen where we can read them together. But as you're preparing to, to get your Bible out or to open your app, uh, I just want to do a, a quick note to say, I believe that the, the book of Jonah is more than just a fish story. I, I believe it's completely plausible that this story actually happened, and, and that though, even though it reads a little bit like a fable, our God is an amazing God who created the entire universe, and it's very plausible that he could create a fish that could keep a guy alive in there 
for three days. Even if we can't fully understand how he did it, it's completely possible that our God is a God who can do just these kinds of things. In saying this, however, I think it's also more important that we don't get sidetracked on the more fantastic details of the story and miss the more important lessons for our lives. See, the point of the story of Jonah, which is an ancient text that was written some 500 years before Jesus was even born, is not to set us on a scientific venture to prove or disprove the truth of the story, but to allow the truth of the story to set us on a venture of finding our way back to God. Or perhaps more accurately, to set us on an adventure of being found again by God. It's worth noting that Jesus believed in Jonah. In Matthew 12, if you go and look at what he spoke about there, he, he talked about Jonah as a real historical person, and he identifies his own life and ministry as being intimately connected with the ministry and the message of Jonah. And so for us this morning, as we jump into this new book in this new series, the story of Jonah really isn't just about a big fish. It's only four chapters long. It's two pages in the whole Bible. And yet I hope that what we will begin to see is that within those four chapters is basically an outline for each one of our lives. Each one of us can look at some point in our life when we were trying to run away from God and resist his leading. And here's what the, what the story of Jonah reminds us of this morning. And what many of us runners have discovered is that you can run from God, but you can't outrun God, right? You can run from God but you can't outrun God. Now, we're going to be reading the first chapter of Jonah this morning. It's about 17 verses. And so we're going to go through and look at the story, and then we're going to take some time to find some key lessons that I think we can take away from Jonah for us today. In verse 1, it said, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed to Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each, tried, each cried out of his, to, <laughs> to his own God, and they, were, and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, tell us, who's responsible for making all of this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? He answered, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. This terrified them, and they asked, what have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, what should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried out to the Lord, please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. 
Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man, for you, Lord, have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah, threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. Would you pray with me one more time? God, I pray that as we enter into the book of Jonah, that your words would speak to our lives and our hearts this morning, that you would give us the courage to recognize the pattern of our lives in Jonah's story and to know that you are a God who relentlessly pursues your people to love them, to care for them, and to bring them back to yourself. God, speak to us through your spirit and your word this morning. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. The first thing that I'd like to suggest we can begin to see from the life of Jonah is that when we start to run away from God, we run to odd and unsafe places. When we start to run away from God, we often run to odd and unsafe places. Uh, We have a map. Uh, I just want to look at the geography real quick, if we can pull the map up. Jonah was a prophet of Israel uh, who was in the region of Galilee, and he went down from Galilee to Joppa, which is on the Mediterranean Sea. It's about the area of modern-day Tel Aviv, Israel. And, And God called him to Nineveh, which was about 550 miles to the north and to the east, which is roughly the modern city of Mosul in Iraq. Uh, And and so he was called to go up to preach against the uh, people of Assyria, the Assyrian nation. And at that time, Nineveh had become the capital uh, of this nation that was one of the arch enemies of the people of Israel. It was one of the most powerful nations in the world at the time, and Nineveh had become one of the largest cities in the world. Scholars suggest that there were multiple hundreds of thousands of people who lived in the city of Nineveh. It was this huge metropolis in Jonah's time. Uh, The Assyrians are historically known to be violent and vicious people. They prided themselves on their torture and their brutality, on capturing people and not to get too graphic, but actually skinning them alive. They would display the skins and the dismembered body parts of their enemies, and they would parade them around. Uh, You get the point. These were not good people. Uh, Ultimately, this is the nation that would become responsible for capturing and dispersing what we now know as the lost ten tribes of Israel. So Jonah, if you can imagine, would have grown up with the stories about these Assyrian people and the people of Nineveh. And and God is calling him to go there to, to preach to the people of Nineveh. I mean, it's more likely, right, that Jonah and his people probably would have been praying that God would destroy Nineveh like he did Sodom and Gomorrah rather than that he would go and, and save them and ask them to repent. But we see that the way that God viewed Nineveh and the way Jonah viewed Nineveh were obviously very different. And Jonah did what we sometimes do, too, as well. We see things differently than the way God sees them, and we run in the other direction. And that's what Jonah did, right? If we look at the map again, uh, Joppa is on the eastern Mediterranean, and he was uh, boarding a ship to Tarshish, which is on the southern coast of Spain, which at that time was the farthest point in the known world you could get away from where God was calling him to go. 
It would take months and months by boat to get to Tarshish, maybe even up to a year, some scholars suggest. It was a long, arduous, hazardous trip across the ocean. And it's important to understand that Jonah just didn't say no to God and stay put. He actually ran as far away from God as he could possibly go. Essentially, Jonah said to God, God, I still believe in you, but I'm not going to do what you're asking me to do. God, I I still believe in you, but I'm not going to do what you're asking me to do. Have you ever been there? (laughs) I have. God, I still believe in you. I'm still going to go to church, uh, but I'm not going to do that. God, I'm still going to pray and read my Bible and show up to my small group or my study group and and talk about you, but I'm not going to do what you're asking me to do. God, I I still believe in you. It's not that I'm not a a Christian, but, but what you're asking me to do is just too costly for my finances or for my career or in my relationships or how I use my free time. Right? And, and so what we do is the same thing that Jonah did. We, we run away from God. And, and when we run away from God, what we find is that we often run to some odd and unsafe places. When we look back, right, we often wonder, what was I thinking? I mean, how many times when, when you found yourself running away from God, have you found that you've experienced some of the biggest regrets in your life that come from a season of running? It's in these times of running that often the, the people in our lives that know us best and that love us will, will, will look at our decisions and our actions and they'll start to ask questions. You're dating him? You're going to marry her? You're going to move where? You bought what? See, the people around us begin to see our choices and to say these kinds of things to us. And yet, when we, like Jonah, continue to resist God and run from God, here's the second thing that begins to happen in our lives. Life begins to unravel. Life begins to unravel. Now, it doesn't always happen right away. But eventually, life just kind of begins to fall apart. I I really appreciate what uh, Pastor Todd Clark's take on Jonah is because he's identified three things that happen in Jonah's life that I think are significant for us as well. And, and, And they're kind of sequential as life begins to unravel. And here's the first thing that happens is we stop hearing God's voice. We stop hearing God's voice. Right? If you look at the story and you start in verse 1, it says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah. Because Jonah was listening to God. Jonah was connected with God. Jonah was following God. And the word of the Lord came to Jonah. But if you move down into verse 5 and you begin to see that as, G- as Jonah's running away, it's not the word of the Lord that's coming to Jonah anymore, is it? What is it now? It's now the, the works of the Lord that are coming to Jonah, right? It's the wind, and it's the waves, and it's the thunder, and it's the rain. It's the works of God that are coming to Jonah as he's running away from God. And maybe the question for us this morning is, do you ever feel like the whole world is against you? Do you ever feel like nature itself is conspiring against you? Well, if you look at the story of Jonah, it just might be. I mean, based on what we learn here, it just might be that, that, that you have hardened your heart to the words of God in your life, and now God is using his works rather than his words to try and get your attention. You ever feel like that's happened in your life? 
Maybe I'm not listening to him like I should, and so there's always these other things going on in my life, and maybe it's not a, a, a boat on the sea, but maybe it's ha- something happening with your, your car or, or with another person or something going on in your career or the people around you, but you're just feeling like everything is conspiring against you. See, here's what the story of Jonah teaches us. When we stop hearing God's words in our lives, God tries to get our attention in other ways. When we stop hearing God's words in our lives, God tries to get our attention in other ways. And then here's the second thing that begins to happen. When we stop hearing God's word, we start to confuse opportunity with God's blessing. Here's a challenge because it goes against what many of us have been raised with and what our culture teaches us, right? Favorable circumstances in our lives don't always equal God's leading. Favorable circumstances in your life doesn't equal always God's will for your life, or it doesn't translate into God blessing you in your life. Or to say it another way, there will always be a ship in the harbor willing to take you in the wrong direction. Think about the life of Jonah, right? He's a a prophet of God. He's a leader among God's people. This guy is close to God, but he's running away from God. He goes down to the harbor, and just coincidentally, there happens to be a boat going exactly where he wants to go. Maybe this is God's provision for his life. And it says that Jonah happened to have the money to pay the fare. I mean, this was a long journey. It probably had to be an expensive trip to go all the way across the Mediterranean Sea, right? Maybe God provided and blessed Jonah with the financial resources to be able to make this trip, and maybe that's a sign that this is really what God wants him to do. Even when he's in the boat, traveling away from God as far as he can get, he's down in the bottom of the boat, sleeping like a baby. Everything's going his way. But the reality of Jonah is that you can actually be running away from God and still feel like, at least for a while, like things are going well and everything's just clicking for you. So how do I know, you might ask? How do do I know if I feel like everything is going well and life is pretty good? How do I know if I've hardened my heart to God or if I've hardened my heart to God's words or if I've mistaken opportunity for God's blessing? Well, here's how you know. Just look around you. Just look around you. One of the best ways to tell what God is doing in your life is to look around you and more importantly, to look at the people around you. And this is the third thing we can learn from Jonah. If we're running away from God, we will always hurt the people who are close to us. If we're running away from God, we'll always hurt the people who are close to us. Because see, when we stop hearing God's voice anymore, and he starts to try and get our attention in other ways, and we start mistaking opportunities for the leading of God because, hey, they're there, and I've got the money to do it, right? And what happens is we always end up hurting the people around us because when someone is running away from God, the people around them are always adversely impacted. Let's look at the life of Jonah again, right? Let's go back to the story. These sailors on the boat, right? Their lives were dramatically impacted by Jonah's running from God. I mean, they have to take all of their cargo and throw it into the ocean. I mean, that's why they were making the trip in the first place, right? They're merchants. They're taking their cargo to Tarshish to trade and to sell. Uh, But now the whole reason for their trip is overboard. 
They're going to not have any profit and they're not going to have any cargo. They might lose their jobs, their livelihood. But right now, they don't even care about that stuff, do they? Because they're about to lose their lives. They're going to die. And all they did was they let this guy who was running from God on their boat. And it took them all into a very dangerous place. Now, now let's just pause here for a minute and think about this for ourselves. Right? Husbands, wives, when you decide to run from God and to hide things from God in your life, guess what? Your wife, your husband, your kids, they're going to be adversely impacted. Now, you may be able to convince yourself that, oh, nothing's going to happen. Nobody really knows what I'm doing. I can hide it. All the while, though, we know that when we run from God, we hurt those who are close to us. Singles, you know why some of your friends seem to overreact sometimes when you make certain choices or, or pursue certain things in your life? You know why that is? Because your friends see these things as running from God and they're concerned about the choices that you're making in your life and the people that maybe you're choosing to date or to hang out with. And they don't want you to get hurt as well. How about us students, teenagers in the room? You know why your parents kind of freak out sometimes when you start hanging out with certain people? It's because they know that when you run with people who are running from God, there's going to be trouble in your life. And there's likely going to be trouble in your family, and they don't want that for you. They want to protect you from that. And so they get upset, and they're concerned because they love you. See, the reality that Jonah teaches each one of us, no matter what age or stage that we're at in life, is that when we start to run from God, life ultimately begins to unravel. We stop hearing God's voice. We start to mistake and confuse opportunities for God's blessing, and we end up hurting the very people who are closest to us. But you know what? That's not the end of the story. There's actually good news in the story of Jonah. And here's the good news for our lives as well. When we decide to run from God, God doesn't just sit up in heaven and fold his arms and say, all right, well, have a good run. See you around sometime. Let me know how it goes. That's not what God does, is it? What we see in the story of Jonah is that God in his grace and in his mercy actually gets involved in the little details of our lives and he does whatever he can to bring us back to himself. Isn't that why God provided the storm? Isn't that why God brought the huge fish? I mean, that's why God allows some of those crazy circumstances in your life and in my life. That's why God sometimes allows a a mess with our finances. That's why he sometimes will mess with our career or or with our health or, or our other relationships. You see, the next point is that God gets involved in our lives not to pay us back, but to bring us back. God gets involved in our lives, not to pay us back, but to bring us back. And I don't know where you're at in your life today, this morning, as we enter into this new series. You may be in a pretty stormy season of life, but here's the good news message of Jonah for you today. God loves you. God loves you so much that he's not willing to let you get away. God loves you so much that he's chosen to get involved in the intimate details of your life in order to bring you back to himself. That's what the story of Jonah is all about. That's what the good news message of Jesus is all about, amen? God's goal is never to pay you back, but it's always to bring you back. 
And in that process, here's one more thing. He doesn't chase you. He goes ahead and waits for you. He, he doesn't so much chase after you as he, he goes ahead and waits for you. Because men and women, here's another little secret about God. He already knows where you're going. He already knows where you're going to run to. And so he just goes there, and he, he, he goes ahead, and he waits, and he knows you're going to be there. And the story of Jonah is the story of each of our lives in, in, in times when we've run from God. And, and some of us today, I know, have been running from God for months. And some of us this morning have been running from God for, for years. And truth be told, as most of us know it, only in our own hearts even though we're here in church this morning, some of us have been running from God for decades. Maybe. Is it possible that God has been waiting for you in this moment, in this time, today? Is it possible that God knew that you were going to be here today and that we were going to be talking about Jonah today? And in this moment, right now, is it possible that he's been waiting for you to show up so that he could bring you back to himself? See, what I, what I hope we all would discover today is that as we just enter into the story of Jonah this week, is that even though you can run from God, there's no way that you can outrun God. Because he always knows where you're going to be, and he's always willing to go there ahead of you and wait for you. So here's the takeaway for this morning. You can write this down if you want. What is one area of your life where you're running from God? What's one area of your life where you're running from God? Because I would suspect that almost all of us have at least one thing that we're trying to hold on to, that we're keeping to ourselves, and that we're running the opposite direction of the way that God would want us to go. What's one area where you're saying, God, I still believe in you, uh, but I'm going to just keep my friends. God, I still believe with you, in you. I'll, I'll go to church, but, but I'm going to just keep control of my finances. I, I'm going to keep this habit or this hang-up in my life because it, it's too important to me, and I just don't want to let go of it. What's one area of your life where you're running from God and that you're keeping from God? And then here's the challenge. Would you allow this to be the day that you stop running from God? Would you use this series in Jonah as a catalyst to stop running? Next week, we're going to look in chapter 2, and all of chapter 2 takes place inside the fish. And what we're going to see is what God does when we stop running. We surrender our lives to him. We're going to see his amazing grace and mercy for our lives. Would you pray with me? Holy God, we know that you never give up, that you never let go, that you relentlessly pursue your people, not to pay us back, but to bring us back because you love us. God, forgive us for the ways that we have chosen to, to run from you in our lives where we've, we've turned our back and we've said, no, I, I want to go my own way. Give us the courage and the grace to admit our mistakes, to, to come back into your loving arms this morning, to stop our running and to discover 
that in you we can find our deepest joy and our greatest purpose as we live our lives for you. We pray this in the name of Jesus who gave his life so that we might have life and have it to the full. Amen.